Okay, settle in and get comfortable. Let's meditate on God's Word and get some rest. This is True Sleep. In this podcast, I try to help you meditate on Scripture to find some peace and solace and rest. Uh, My aim is to point you to the words on the page, not my thoughts, and I'll do my best at that so you can be relaxed and not worry that you're going to have to evaluate my perspective and make sure I'm a faithful teacher or anything like that. I'm just going to try to get you to look at, in your mind, Scripture. Real quick, I want to thank Sue22 for two, who is my first and only Apple iTunes reviewer. Thank you for the positive review. That was very encouraging. Thank you, Linda, for your encouraging email. Uh, Michelle, thank you for your email and a really good and important question. And I apologize I've not gotten back to you yet. Hang in there with me. I will get back with you. Lynn, thank you for the helpful word study that you emailed me. I love to hear from you guys, and I really appreciate you listening and getting in touch. I want to say a special hello to listeners in Bogota, Colombia. So glad that you have found your way to this little podcast. And wherever you are, I'm really grateful that you're listening. And I want to pray for you and jump right in and get to the main event, which is, in this case, Isaiah chapter 2. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father, would you please speak to us through your word? And for this listener right now, would you please fill them with your Holy Spirit and draw them near to you and draw near near to them? Let them hear your voice and your word. Let it transform them by the renewal of their minds. Let your word go forth and accomplish your purposes in them. Let it be like a double-edged sword that will cut right down to the heart of whatever issues you need to get to with them. May you be glorified by this time, and may this listener be helped. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, jumping in. Isaiah chapter 2, starting at verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So here we're introducing a new oracle. We've made our way through chapter 1. Do you remember, if you've been listening for a while, do you remember any of the content of Isaiah chapter 1? If you're a new listener, uh, just a heads up that I'll give you some stretches of silence to ponder the questions that I might ask or the the prompts I'll give you based on Scripture like that. So don't think that uh, your podcast turned off or anything. Whether or not you remember the contents of chapter 1, we're getting a bit of a fresh start with a new oracle here. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. So just... Notice that. It's a word. Normally you hear words. In this case, Isaiah saw this word, so it's more of a vision. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. All right. Don't skip past that either. What do you know about Judah, and what do you know about Jerusalem?
Whether you know a lot about Judah and Jerusalem or a little about Judah and Jerusalem, it's helpful to try to recall it and bring it to mind. And either way, you're going to benefit from listening in on this oracle that begins in verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. So let's go back and think this through. Meditate on this for a minute. God, through the prophet Isaiah, is delivering this oracle. It has to do with Judah and Jerusalem. And it's pointing to the future. It says, it shall come to pass. So it's pointing them to the future. It's not right now pointing them to the past. It's not pointing out something in the present. It's pointing them to the future. How far in the future? It shall come to pass in the latter days. All right, when is that? What does that mean? Okay, so we're thinking about the latter days. These are the end times. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. All right, put your thinking cap on here. What in the world is he talking about? This isn't language that we typically use or think in terms of. What would it mean for in the latter days for the mountain of the house of the Lord to be established as the highest of the mountains? Do you think he's talking in literal terms here, that there's a literal mountain associated with the, the house of the Lord, the temple, God's presence, that's going to literally, like geologically, rise to a higher elevation than all the other mountains? Yeah, I don't really think that's exactly what he has in mind either. Isaiah uses a lot of imagery to make his points. So I think this is more figurative language pointing to literal, true fulfillment that's going to come. So let's read on and let the text itself fill out what he means. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Okay, so you you can visualize this, whether it's literal or figurative. It's meant as a visual. So it's a word that you too are meant to see. So picture this, the mountain of the house of the Lord. 
being established as the highest of the mountains. Just picture a mountain in your mind's eye. And picture this mountain becoming higher than all other mountains. Lifted up above the hills. And now picture all the nations flowing to it. Nations being all the different people groups, all the different countries, all the different governments, all the different uh, segments of people flowing to it. So flow is a, is a liquid term. So you're, you're thinking about people flowing like water would flow, but in this case, not gravity taking them down like water would flow down, but something drawing them up to this mountain that's higher than all other mountains. Now, this is very beautiful and poetic and striking imagery, but we need to get down to concrete here because this means something. It's not just pleasant imagery. So let's keep reading. Now we're in verse 3. It says, All the nations shall flow to it, and many peoples shall come. So people will come to this mountain, and many peoples shall come and say, Okay, so what are they doing here? They're about to speak. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Aha! So now we're getting down to something a little bit more concrete. So this mountain's going to rise above all others in that God and his presence and his ways will be evident as the most glorious, the highest, the, the true, the best ways. And people from all over, not just um, you know, American Christians, not just uh, the Jewish people, people from all over, different cultures, different countries, different languages, different tribes, different everything will be drawn to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Why did it say they are going? That he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. So there's a spot to pause on. In the latter days, it will come to pass that there will be a huge movement toward God of people who desire to learn his ways and desire to walk in his paths. Now, I'm a Christian. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I love God's word. I hope that you are. Many of you have found this podcast because you are fellow Christians and you know that God's word is where you'll find rest when you're restless. Some of you are not Christians and you're not sure exactly what you believe or you you don't believe it at all, but yet somehow you've been drawn to this anyway. Whoever you are, I hope that you already are seeing what in the latter days many will see, that God's ways and God's paths are the highest and best. 
ways and paths. So I'll ask you to think on this. Are you in a season of life in which you are learning God's ways now? Are you a member of a good church that preaches and teaches the Bible and in informal conversations and discipling relationships and small groups or however your church is structured, are you being taught God's ways? If so, just take a minute just to thank God for that that he has revealed the goodness of his ways to you and given you teachers and preachers and mature Christians who've taken an interest in you to show you. And if not, if you're not a part of a member of a good church where you're learning God's ways, why not? Is there any reason you shouldn't take a concrete step tomorrow to find and join a good, healthy church, meet with the pastor, I encourage you to do it. Just go for it because no church is going to be perfect and you're not saved by going to church, but that's where you're going to be able to hear the gospel, have it explained to you, get your questions answered, be exposed to the truth of God's word and learn his ways. So just like these people will do so that you may walk in his paths. Are you walking in his paths? Or are you off trying to walk your own paths? According to this passage, there will come a time in the latter days when there will be a huge recognition of the glory and goodness and majesty of God's ways and his paths. People will flock to him for it. And you have the opportunity to do that now. And if you're restless, if you're having trouble sleeping, it sometimes is because you have wandered off of God's path and you've forsaken God's ways and you're living in a kind of amnesia about what is true and good. And you're 
listening to the wrong voices and you're walking the wrong paths and it's leading to consequences and stresses and trouble and turmoil and conscience issues and regrets. And now we've all been there and done it. That's why we need Jesus Christ. You can go to Jesus Christ, confessing your sins with a repentant heart and spirit, and you'll receive mercy and grace and forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation with God and pick you up, put you back on the right path like a sheep that's wandered away. And if you've never done that, if you're not a Christian, man, do it right now. And then first chance you get, get in touch with a Christian that you know. I guarantee you probably know a Christian. Tell them about it. Ask for their help to start growing, getting connected with the church family, because you'll need that. And if you're already a Christian, just... I'll leave you with this and pray for you, and that'll be it for, for this one. But just think on how good it is to know God God's ways and to walk His paths. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you can start to take it for granted. I became a Christian when I was eight, and I will soon be turning 40. This doesn't sound as old to me as it once did, but you can just be used to it. But imagine what your life would be like if you did not know about God's ways, and if he had not come and retrieved you and put you on his path. So imagine the darkness and the lostness and the confusion and the, the accumulation of consequences that you would be dealing with. I think that's something that you can, you can think on as you rest and that it would be good for you. All right, let me pray for you, and we'll be done. Father, thank you again for this listener. I know you love them. You created them in your image very carefully. I know that you have good plans for them, and you know their heart and their mind and their lives. You know everything about them. So I pray that you would do miraculous work through the scripture that they've been exposed to in this podcast. And that from wherever they are right now, you would bridge the gap and bring them to a place where they are learning your ways and walking in your paths through the power and grace and mercy that is in Jesus Christ. Would you bless them in every way in Jesus name? Amen.